The Business of Agriculture is brought to you by Land Trust. Have you heard how landowners are increasing profitability by adding recreation to their portfolio of land use? Millions of outdoor recreators seek wide open spaces for bird watching, photography, hunting, fishing, horseback riding, and many other farm and ranch activities. Landowners are partnering with the Recreation Access Network Land Trust. Land Trust is an online platform connecting recreators with landowners for outdoor experiences on their land to increase profitability. Visit landtrust.com/boa as in business of agriculture to learn more. That's landtrust.com/boa. Well, greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business of Agriculture. It's me, your host, Damian Mason. You already knew that. You heard it in the introduction. Got a fantastic program for you today. We're going quite international. I'm talking to Ori Bindner. He is in Israel. That's right. He is talking to us from Israel, and he is talking about his company, Supplant. He is a co-founder, and he is the CEO of this company. It's an ag tech company bringing technology to irrigation. And uh, it, I apologize. It's been over a month, Ori, when your PR person reached out to me. I jotted down some notes, and then it kind of got put aside, and then here we are this morning. So I'm looking over my notes, and I'm like, yeah, this is exactly what I want to talk about, because I believe that natural resource utilization is, first off, something we've got amazingly good at in agriculture, but we still have from the New York Times to various media sources, every day it's this thing that agriculture is killing us. Agriculture is killing us. We're poisoning their food. We're using all the resources. And it's really not true. I think we're doing a really damn good job out here using less resources per calorie produced than we ever have because of companies like yours. But there is going to be a water fight, I think, moving forward. Um, you know, we're still growing stuff in like California here in the United States fantastic climatological reasons why we grow things from almonds to pistachios to celery to, you know, strawberries there, but there's the water fight going on. So I think that in increasingly we're going to see companies like yours, sub plant coming into the ag space and saying, Hey, you know what? We really are doing a great job uh, in terms of the natural resources. So, um, I hope that I got this right. Founder and CEO, Subplant. How long ago did you start this company? What was the purpose of it? Your background. I want to hear all about you and this company. So, uh, co-founder, founded with my father. Um, we are a family of farmers. I'm a fourth generation of farmer to a farming family, I'll say. My grandfather is a real farmer, 91 and still farming. That's a true story. Um, initially, I founded two uh, pretty successful NGOs in Israel, and um, then I did some uh, business development in uh, irrigation projects companies, and uh, got the call that I expected to get uh, from my father, who is a serial entrepreneur in AgTech. It's his fifth company, most of them super successful, and. Um, Founded Suplant in 2016 out of the notion that there is so much potential to utilize out of the um, sensors uh, or out of the world of plant sensing, specifically trunk, stem, or fruit sensing, leaf sensing. So ever since we've been translating plants and uh, we are up to some exciting things. 
So first off, there's a lot of there's a lot there to unpack, as they would say in the corporate vernacular. Uh, your grandfather's 91 years old. He's still farming in Israel. In Israel. Okay. And so what's the what's the farm look like? Just because I'm curious. You were raised around it. You you participated in it. You still do participate in the farming operation. What's that farm look like? What's the production? What's uh, what's that sound look like? Uh, he's a, as you would call a smallholder, which is a, something that you will find a lot in Israel. It's a family farm that has been um, making a living, decent living for him for 90 years. Onions, watermelons, corn, uh, multi-year crops, um, a dairy farm. That's basically it, but all in very small scale. Yeah. So enough that they can make a, that, that your family made a living on this. Uh, obviously, your grandfather, your father branched out and became an ag oriented entrepreneur. So mostly direct to consumer still runs through. I mean, most stuff gets consumed within 20, 30, 50 miles of the farming operation, I presume. Uh, something like that. Most mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Your background then educationally, you're in a, you're in a business and you're in a business. business And so what about the technology? You an engineer? No, no, I'm all in the business economics, all of that background. My father is an agronomist. Um, I think we um, uh, complement each other in this aspect, but I have to say that Suplant in the past two, three years is far from a family business. It's almost 100 employees, a global business with three subsidiaries, and um, got uh, scaled enough to be mostly owned by VCs this day. Mostly owned by VCs. And so just for the person that's listening to this, because I've got a wide breadth of listeners, I've got everything from business owners themselves to employees that sell machinery to seed, feed, chemical, livestock, farmers, whatever. Venture capital is essentially where you got your money to start this company is what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. And so unfortunately, when you say you're the co-founder and CEO, when you are using other people's money, you're working for them. Um, you can say that I'm working for them. I'm working for the ability to digitally inform irrigation decisions around the world. So let's talk about the technology. Uh, you agree with my assessment, I hope, up front. Maybe you don't. Of course, I don't mind if you disagree. That's always healthy for discussion. I think the natural resource argument against agriculture is a bit misallocated because in modern agricultural production, like you're talking about doing, we're using less natural resources per calorie of food produced than we ever have. So we're doing a hell of a job. Uh, We still have some sins. We still mistreat our soil in some places, but in general, we're doing a much, much better job than even just when I was a kid growing up on the farm, you know, 40 or so years ago. So I guess I'm looking around and saying, yeah, there's a, a lot of criticism we face, but we're doing a really darn good job with the natural resources. And then I do think there's going to be a water fight in places. Like I said, I referenced California. So you looked at this issue and how did you and your father come into this? You said there is a water fight. Um, we can do better. We, we've got, uh, what, what, was, what was the impetus? When you grew up on a farm, specifically when my father for 20 years worked for the largest irrigation companies in the world, you find out that what you said is totally correct. And, but yet there is still an amazing gap between the common practice and the best practice. 
And the way we chose to fill this gap is by literally asking the plant itself, as most of us, or most farmers, when they stop use, using common practice, they use, usually go to technology that senses and makes decisions based on the soil, based on the climate, based on high-level imagery, but nothing will be or is as accurate as literally seeing how the plant behaves every 10 minutes. And um, we are in the business of uh, creating software and algorithms that utilize these machines that on a micron level, thousand millimeters, every 10 minutes send the signal of how the growth pattern of the trunk and the fruit has changed in the past 10 minutes. And by this, we are able to perfect the amount of resources that is needed to use in order to maximize the growth pattern. That's in simple terms. That is simple terms, but it also has a tremendous amount of complexity right there. Because I heard just heard you say you're, sens- you're using sensory technology that gives you the sensory perception of what is happening in the trunk of a fruit tree. That's pretty remarkable. But were the four companies, you said your father is a serial entrepreneur with an agronomy background. So were all of his things in agriculture? Sure. Okay. So his other companies and ventures have been agricultural products. All of them. Um, how many of them in related to irrigation or nutrient uh, delivery to plants? No, most of them are were in breeding seeds. Um, another one was in irrigation. Okay. So you knew a little bit or he knew a little bit about irrigation. Uh, I think, you know, we, we a thousand years ago, they dug canals and, uh, and did flood irrigation. So we've been getting better at it ever since. But the fact that we even did it back then is still pretty impressive. Is there an inefficiency of use of the resource or is it, is it the water's being misallocated Ori, or is it that the plant we're not, is it that we're wasting water or is it that we're wasting plant potential? We're doing both. I'll give you an example. We just uh, finished a, a one season POC in the UAE with the results that is, has led to a contract of irrigating, rolling out our systems to 100% of the palm day trees in the UAE in the next three years. The reason for that is that we're able to achieve the exact amount of growth, the exact amount of produce was 70, 70% less water. In the most arid place on earth, where 1,000 liters costs a dollar, we're actually able to save a tree the amount of water we're saving a tree per tree per day can uh, be sufficient for 10 people in the UAE in their daily consumption. Okay. Now, I, 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 I just, because remember, most of my listeners are in Canada and the United States of America, UAE, United Arab Emirates, uh, help me out here on that whole Saudi peninsula. Isn't it like the smallest of the countries that is there? It's a pretty small country. Uh, and as you said, it gets like three or four inches of precipitation a year or something. Is that about an accurate statement? It is. Uh, uh, literally all of the water is uh, desalination. They have so all the water comes from grabbing water out of the sea, then doing desalination, and that's where the water comes from. And so, yeah. 
you're talking about, did they grow date and palm trees there previous to bringing you guys in and just were inefficient? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have two and a half million palm date trees. Okay. Now, when you see the actual growth, specific here of the palm itself, you see that on a very specific level, the plant will continue to accumulate the water and evaporate it without any effect on the growth. And you see it time and time again. It's an extreme in palms, but you see that what we find out that 70% of the water is being evaporated without any effect on the growth or on the vegetation or anything that has to do with the plant. So the only way to finding this out is by literally sensing the plant because any farmer using any practice, even a complex one, would irrigate and see the soil drying up and assume that the plant is accumulating the water and everything is okay from here. But the only question is, does this affect the plant itself? And this is our business. So your business is saying, you know what? Yeah, for years we've been throwing the water out there and the tree didn't die, but that doesn't mean we're getting all the resource into the plant. And so that's why Sup Plant, your company, was invented. Exactly. Okay, how do now, you do it? Go ahead. How do we do it? Um, I, I'll just say it doesn't uh, obviously stop here because you know, well, irrigation is quotas. So a farmer might say irrigation, water doesn't cost me a lot, but he has a specific quota so we can grow more. It's energy, obviously, pumping the water, etc. How do we do it? We let the plant irrigate, we let the farmer irrigate, and we advise him on the first two, three weeks after we install the system, he gets a specific irrigation regime And the system is learning through tweaking of irrigation, how the plant reacts regarding the soil, the weather, et cetera, but how the plant specifically reacts to any irrigation event. And at this level, we're able to optimize the growth pattern through understanding and learning the optimal irrigation regime. Okay. You said a lot of stuff there. It's a little bit more complex than that. Uh, Are we sticking probes in the side of these trees? Exactly. Uh, uh, are the probes, they stay there, or are we doing that just for sampling purposes? It's for sampling purposes on a matter of a tree sample every 1,000 trees, for example, but it stay there all through the season. Okay, so we're not doing it in every tree. We're doing it uh, if they're all in rows or we're doing it, you know, one per 20 acres or something like this. So exactly. you said... You said something really interesting that United Arab Emirates, where all their water is coming from desalination. So they've got obviously a shortage of water. Uh, You said a 70% reduction uh, in water usage on the date and palm uh, tree plantations, right? Mm -hmm. And as you said, in a place like that, water is very expensive because there's the process of uh, acquiring it, in their case, creating it, and then also transporting it, all this and all this. What if I'm in, where uh, I'm from in Indiana, the Midwest, you've maybe been there, I don't know. We get about 38 inches of annual precipitation. Do I need to be this stingy with my water where I am, or does this never come to my part of the world? 
Oh, of course it counts. I'll give you the other extreme. In Brazil, in, we do a lot of coffee. Mm-hmm. And it's eight months of rain a year. Mm-hmm. A bit more than Indiana. Mm-hmm. And you, we actually irrigate a bit more. But we're able to, on average, 22% increase in coffee beans and produce. Because we actually, our system recommends to irrigate tactical irrigations between the rains. Because, again, our set of algorithms is built to maximize growth. And once you're able to maximize the growth, you understand the exact amount of water you need for this maximized growth pattern. In most cases, we're able to save resources, specifically water, because the vast majority of farmers in the world will be over-irrigating, as the effect of under-irrigating is much harsher. So you see that as a side effect, we usually save a bunch of water, but in extreme cases, we actually sometimes irrigate more. Our end result or our target is to maximize produce with the exact amount of resources needed. We specialize in water, so it will usually be irrigation water. Yeah. I, I, this is pretty fascinating to me because I'm seeing, you know, a drip irrigation that we're doing and I'm working with a company that does that. And obviously we've center pivot irrigation we've done forever and we're getting more efficient with those things, but I'm seeing here uh, a real, real sea change and using technology. I want to ask you a little bit about the technology development before I do that. I want to remind our listeners you know, uh, I'm always out here trying to be at the cutting edge of new stuff and giving you ideas and business uh, perspectives on stuff that's a little bit beyond just, hey, what's the price of corn? And that's what I set out to do when I created the Business of Agriculture podcast five years ago. Well, also, if you're a listener or a viewer, I want you to remember, dear listener and viewer, that I'm also doing stuff with Extreme Ag. Extreme Ag is a consortium of five farmers, uh, high yield, um, forward looking, success minded farmers. They create a thing called Extreme Ag. We're doing product trials, we're doing business practices, we're interviewing them on a weekly basis, releasing a couple of episodes of Cutting the Curve every uh, week, where we're doing all this stuff that you can learn from. So if you want to see what's happening in America's most forward thinking farms, you want to hear about new products like biologicals that are coming to the farms, uh, check out what I'm doing over there with the boys from Extreme Ag. ExtremeAg.farm is the name of the website. It's X without an E on the front of it, Dream, ExtremeAg.farm. Check it out and uh, check out all the great stuff. Uh, click on the podcasts and there are like over 50 of them already dropped. So I encourage you to check that out. Talking to uh, Ori uh, Benner, and he is the founder, co-founder and CEO of a company called Supplant, Israeli-based, but international company. He just talked about what they're doing with coffee plantations in Brazil. He spoke about South Africa. They got a lot of problems down there, a lot of political and societal problems down there, but they also grow a lot of crops down there. What crops are you working with in South Africa? And is it uh, is it a growth opportunity for you, or is the climate down there, and I'm talking about the social climate, going to drive you away from South Africa, just out of curiosity? So in South Africa, we're doing citrus a lot. We're doing grapes, table, and wine. There are two focus crops down there. They're one of our, two of our most prominent crops in general. Um, it's a good question regarding the um, social climate over there. But the, on the other hand, the best farmers in the world, no offense, 
regarding produce, uh, regarding their appeal to technology, regarding the fact that they are constantly trying to improve, upgrade. So the penetration for new technology in South African market can only compare to California, I'll say. So it's there in the top. We're seeing some very good business over there. And obviously, if your listeners remember, for example, the 2017 Day Zero in the Western Cape uh, scenario where water literally almost ran out of the taps in Cape Town, um, they counted the days backwards. Um, There's obviously a huge problem over there of uh, mega droughts. Um, even harsher than what you're seeing in Australia and California. So amazing farmers, amazing, amazing produce, a, a real issue in droughts and water. So uh, I'll say that in our view, all of these amount to a very uh, good potential and some very good business we're seeing there. And we're lucky enough to bring value to these farmers. Uh, brought bringing the value, uh, when you sit down with, uh, and, and it's probably more like you said, large scale, because this is not, the, the, the small stakeholder doesn't have the sophistication of infrastructure, I'm assuming. So how do you target what you're, you just talked about produce, you just talked about grapes, table and wine, you've talked about palm and date trees. Where do you say okay, here's where we need to go uh, to sell this product. Uh, is, I mean, it's a selling issue. You're, you're on the business side of it. Do you set out and say, here's the next place we're going to go? Yeah, so our strategy is very specific on crops and market share of crops in a specific territory. So usually our metrics will be how dense is this crop, uh, 10 focused crops, let's say, some of them you mentioned, where we also do a lot of olives, a lot of subtropical, like mango, avocado, almonds. What is the penetration rate of uh, pressurized irrigation, specifically dripper sprinklers? How much of the value proposition of supplant can be a value add in this market? Is there a drought? Is the water, are the water prices crazy? Are there extreme heat events every December, like in Australia? And... All of these metrics combined with the amount of hectares in total usually define it. Today, we are focused on, in Australia on grapes and citrus and almonds, in citrus and grapes in South Africa, in subtropicals, grapes and citrus in Mexico, olives in Argentina, and palm dates in Morocco and the UAE. These are our main markets. Mm-hmm. And this is all um, based on our metrics, aside from one specific market, usually. The next question is, why aren't you in the U.S.? And um, this is a specific decision that I've been making in the past three years, year on year. You're not in the U.S. because? It's the only place where I think the market for act, specifically California, is too crowded. And it's a very appealing combination for an active company. All of the uh, investors are there. Mm -hmm. And the most advanced and dense agriculture market in the world is there. Why not go there? So everybody goes there. And you find the market a bit too crowded, the penetration price a bit too high. And 
the rest of the world literally left unserviced. So we are in the business of serving the rest of the world. It's been quite uh, um, sufficient for us. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. the main reason. I, I think it's neat because most of my listeners, obviously, are U.S. and Canada. I get some Australians. I get a few Europeans. But they're saying, huh, interesting. This company doesn't come to... Well, Canada. You have any reason to be in Canada? I mean, they don't grow as many trees or uh, they do have grapes over in Ontario. What What do you Look, we, we installed some systems in California. We installed some systems in British Columbia. Uh, so I am working with specific growers over there, but I wouldn't call it yet a target market. Obviously, we'll get to the U.S., but um, I'm pretty sure we will get them there from a different angle, which is our new line of products. And um, which is a fully sensorless line of product, but this is a completely different approach and a completely different uh, target audience, which in the US and Canada and anywhere else in the world is in service as well. And this is smallholder farmers, small farmers, family farmers, like the one I grew on. By the way, I know that my my more mechanically inclined farm uh, listeners are saying, well, how's this stuff work? So I better ask that. So like you said, you let's talk about a plantation or a, 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 an arbor of grapes or whatever it should be. They've got drip or they might have sprinklers and then mm-hmm. they've got a control. They got a control booth or a control room or a, something where there's a whole bunch of valves. And I know that I've seen uh, Netafim's uh, drip irrigation, which is submerged. Uh, I've seen their panels. It's pretty c- complex. I mean, it's like a wall of computers with monitors and screens and all this. Somewhere in there, there's a, a sub plant unit. Then it's got a bunch of sensors going out to trees. Is that what I'm sensing here? My guys uh, come to the field. They go over the plot design. They decide on the where they're going to locate a sensing station, which comprises of soil, trunk, and fruit sensors. Every block, on average, every twenty acres, fifteen acres, and then they install these systems. And the farmer gets a dashboard. Uh, it gets every day. He can log in and see a seven-day head irrigation regime. He will see a interface of graphical design of how their plant fruit is behaving with specific actions and insights on top of it. They will see an alert system a couple of days before extreme heat event, for example. They will receive remote guidance from our specialist agronomists back home, a monthly report, etc. And it's a wide range of aspects and services based on your plant in the specific block. But again, but the most important value will be the irrigation regime or how do you use in a more efficient way your Netafim drip irrigation? Yeah, so what you're doing is making it more efficient. That's uh, the entire value proposition for your company sub plant. And then am I out there, Am I? you said, are we doing something within that plant, that grape arbor? Am I, am I atta- I'm attaching a sensor to it? Then am I also doing tissue sampling and things like that to make sure, uh, you know, a week and two down the road, a month after we've been using your system, am I doing any more like 
analysis of the plants to really be sure? Or how do I, how do you ascertain that information? You got to stop somewhere. So we, we are not doing the sampling. Obviously, farmers are doing a lot more and a lot of other stuff. So right. um, you can always do any sampling. But I think the interesting stuff is how the these sampling correlate to the behavior of what we are seeing. So, for example, pressure chambers in grapes. We are, today, we see an amazing correlation. So we're actually able to replace all of these samplings with an ongoing measurement by checking the vine itself constantly. So in specific areas, we're actually able to replace a lot of these measurements that farmers are already taking. Got it. Okay. Um, you talked a lot about the crops you serve and, and the geographies that you serve. Uh, what do you think the next year looks like for sub plant? Uh, just finding more geographies or finding more acres within the geographies where you already operate? Uh, the latter. Finding more the acres earth. within the geographies where you already are. Cause you, then you have your, your staff and your people are already on the ground there. So now it's a matter of, a market share within the geography versus more geographies. And the fact that um, farming is a, is a cultural issue. It takes time to learn specifically how do we gain trust of these farmers? It takes time to build an operation that can give sufficient service and you can't win in agriculture without giving amazing service. Mm-hmm. Um, we are dealing with things that are important or majoric for the business of these farmers, which is irrigation. You can't uh, do it without a super, uh, very uh, aggressive SLA that we commit to. So um, you had to stop somewhere regarding the expansion and really be able to build an operation that can service all of this well. Uh, the, the information I got, then you gave an example, you help farmers in South Africa decrease water usage by 37% while also increasing lemon yield by 60%. So essentially, water, the water reduction is important, especially as you said, if we're in United Arab Emirates because they have no water. But the big value proposition is that you're getting more yield. I mean, if you were going to sit down with me and I owned 10,000 acres of plantation, your first pitch to me is going to be yield, right? In, in most cases, it's yield, but it really depends on the crop. If you're, go, if you're growing wine grapes, then I will talk to you about quality measurements of sugar levels. Um, even in oranges for juice, I'll talk to you about sugar levels. But in most cases, it will be yields. In olives, it will be the percentage of oil in a given olive. So, but at the end of the day, you can all sum it up. You're a business, and um, I'm in the business of increasing your bottom line. Got it. Yeah. So, I mean, I was going to ask you: you call if you're if you come to the cocktail party and I'm there, and then they say, "Oh, you two, you two should talk. You're both agriculture guys and business guys." And I say, "Okay, hi, Ori." What's what's sub plant do? And then you can tell me, but then I say, are you a tech company? Are you an agricultural company? Are you uh, an irrigation company? And I guess you'd say. I'll say that we are in a cocktail party, so let's have fun and not talk about work. But that's a a different issue. Um, We're definitely a tech company. Uh, If you will, I think the the beautiful thing is that 
the the place where these uh, software engineers meet agronomists with mud on their boots but it if you're looking at my um, employment uh, the amount of employees the division you'll see a very large product in our indeed department you'll see much more software development and AI people than farmers and agronomists um, it Our offices, if you'll come as an alien from the outside without knowing if we are doing a software enterprise or ag tech, you wouldn't have noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are a tech company, but there is a special niche uh, for ag tech. Uh, again, it's, it's a specific business, and I try to have a sense in the office and to, uh, I think it's um, a humble sense of the people that we are serving are very specific. There's a big picture of my grandfather in the office of, hey, this guy we're serving. We're not serving this uh, high-end company in the Silicon Valley. We're serving the farmers in the Midwest. So uh, it's this meeting between the tech and the agriculture that I find very interesting. What do you think you go beyond the acres and all that? Is there another product coming from Supplant, or does this one have so much potential and so much uh, possibility to expand that this is all you need? A lot of potential, but uh, a year and a half ago, a, a personal project of mine we started developing, and it turned into an amazing product uh, just uh, seven months ago. In short, it's a product that makes sense economically to 98% of farmers in the world, which cultivate less than 300 acres, most of them less than three acres, smallholders. There, there are 100 million of these just in India, uh, or my grandfather again. So in short, we, took, we have millions of millions of irrigation events in our database and in over 33 crops in any geography you can imagine in any weather you can imagine extrapolating this data and giving in any place on earth without any sensitive on the ground on a couple of dollars a month in irrigation regime that is far more accurate than the common practice in leading countries it is far less accurate than the sensor-based product but in this matter uh, in these prices this is our next uh, realm or mm-hmm. Uh, this is what we are engaged in at these days. We are already sending daily irrigation regimes to half a million corn growers in Kenya, for example. Okay. You, you, so, you're sending yeah. them, da- you're, you're, again, now this is different than a censoring a tree stock or corn uh, or coffee plant or coffee tree, if you will. Yeah. Uh, We're, we're in a completely different sort of a commodity production here. It has, does the product stay the same? Your product stay the same, same product, minor tweaks to make it work? No, it's not the same because it's fully sensorless, so no sensors on the ground. But at the end of the day, if you look at it, you will see an irrigation regime that looks quite the same visually. Um, and... As long as it's a dramatic upgrade than the common practice they are used to working with, then um, that I can bring them value, it's an amazing opportunity for us. I, I hope it's an amazing opportunity for them as well, as we're seeing it. Is. Got it. 
what have we not talked about, Mr. Ori Bender, that we should have talked about? What other point or topic or uh, idea or thought do you want to share with the listeners of the Business of Agriculture podcast as it pertains to what you see from your vantage point at Supplant? I, I want to go to the beginning, uh, to what you said about how people are viewing agriculture. I think agriculture is far from being the most efficient sector in the world, but it's by far the most important one. Yeah, yeah. I think that farmers are sometimes viewed in a very misleading manner. Most of the farmers I meet, and I meet a lot, not only the early adapters are willing to, um, to become much more efficient, are very tech-savvy. They are business people that are very, very um, high-end in their abilities and willingness to learn and to become much better in what they're doing. They're very aware to the surroundings and to the implications and still being able to preserve a lot of cultural uh, assets in every place, in every country, in every culture that uh, at least I have the privilege to meet. A farmer most of the time represents the core essence of the culture. When you picture America, you have this picture of this farmer in Mexico, in Russia, in India, and it's the backbone of most economies in the world. So I think it's a great privilege of serving this. I, I agree with that. The picture of Russia might be a little different, more clouded yeah. at this point. But uh, I agree with you. It's it's a cultural thing that uh, for as few a percentage of the population that actually is involved in ag, it does create uh, an outsized image, if you will, which is Generally a good thing, but also it does put a certain amount of target on our back, again, like uh, on our utilization of natural resources, or sometimes when we've had little environmental hiccups. Your company, Supplant, sets, uh, sets us on a path to use less natural resources, create more yield, applying cutting-edge technology to uh, an age-old thing that a thousand and some years ago, uh, they went out there with they went there with uh, sticks and rudimentary shovels and spades and created flood irrigation. And now look at what we're doing, and you're helping do with that. Uh, or if the listeners would like to find out more about what you're doing there at Supplant, uh, how do they find you? On our website, it's uh, Supplant S U double P L A N T dot me M E. Okay, supplant.me, and you can learn more about the cool stuff they're doing. They're working in uh, 15 countries, is it? And 33 mm-hmm. different uh, crops? That's exactly. fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks for coming on. I know we're on quite the different time swings. So you know what? You can go to that cocktail party now and not talk about your business, uh, uh, Ori. And I'm going to stay here, sit at my desk and keep the work going. Thanks a lot for being here. I wish you well. Maybe come back in a couple of years and tell us about the growth and the next product that you and your serial entrepreneur father are doing. And also best wishes to your 91 grand, 91 year old grandfather who's still out there uh, being a, an agricultural producer. So thanks a lot for being here, Ori Benner. Thanks, Damien. It was a pleasure. You bet. Till next time, it's the Business of Agriculture. This episode of the Business of Agriculture was brought to you by Land Trust. Landowners just like you are increasing profitability by adding recreation to their portfolio of land use. 
Millions of recreators actively seek wide-open spaces for bird-watching, photography, hunting, fishing, horseback riding, and many other farm and ranch activities. Owners of farm and ranch properties are partnering with recreation access network Land Trust. Land Trust is an online platform connecting recreators with landowners for outdoor experiences on their land to increase profitability. Visit landtrust.com/boa as in business of agriculture to learn more. That's landtrust.com/boa.